0: Oh, oh that's right.
1: that's a brilliant for the follow play by Mahé. Oh my goodness me, what a shot. <laughs> 100 goals, 7. 100 goals, the the Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hours Morning Club. It's Chris O'Reilly here, and usually these podcasts are for our Patreon subscribers only. But every now and then, we throw one of them out into the wild to give everyone a taste of what we do on Patreon with the bonus content. And because of the reaction that this story is getting, uh, we thought it would be worth sharing this uh, for free with everyone as well. And this one is all about Cameroonian players disappearing from the national team both before the World Championship this year and also a bunch of players who left during the World Championship two years ago. Uh, The players who were in the squad before this world championship, Benedicta Manga Ambassa and Mariana Batamag, were included in the squad. They played some test matches in Cannes in France. Their last test match against Senegal on the 26th of November, they played. But by the time they played their opening match of the World Championship against Montenegro on the 30th of November, neither were in the squad, neither were accounted for. And Cameroon ended up playing that game, and every game so far, with 14 players. Two years ago, five players ended up leaving during the championship. Jasmine Yottuchum, Clarissa uh, Fang. Michelle Ekobena and Emily Mvoa all were part of the squad and left at the same time. And a fifth player, then, a couple of days later, Giselle Incolo, also departed. I uh, wrote an article for Go Handball, which is the new English language site run by Handballskanalen, a really popular and fantastic website in Sweden. And the the story was uh, picked up in a lot of different places throughout Sweden and in other countries as well on newspapers and websites uh, before Cameroon faced Sweden in the first game of the main round. Uh, This Cameroonian team has just made history by reaching the main round of the World Championship for the first time. But there is this uh, underlying story uh, which gives a real sad element to uh, what is happening to these players and what the conditions they have to deal with while they try to compete with the world's best. And in order to, to get a bit of uh, context on this story and to get some insight, uh, I managed to get in touch with a Cameroonian freelance journalist, Leo Kadia Bongben, who has been working on women's sports for a number of years. Once upon a time, she was the press officer for the Cameroonian women's football team. And has been following this team throughout the years as well and a big thanks to sister speak an organization which promotes women's voices and stories in cameroon who i got in touch with and they brought me together with uh, leocadia bong ben straight away so thank you to them and uh, thank you to leocadia for this chat Thank you so much for agreeing to, to chat as well. Sister Speak and yourself have been very quick to, uh, to be in touch about it, and I think it's a really um, interesting topic. And I felt the only way to really get some perspective on this would be from, from people and women in, uh, in Cameroon who, who have a, a real idea about what is going on. So it's really nice to, to get some perspective from you. So I appreciate that. Okay, so we could dive into it, Bong Ben and uh, you know this this camera inside are making history in sweden at the moment they've just um, qualified for the main round of a world championship but with uh, what seems like a huge caveat in the fact they only have uh, 14 players there and it's it's something which already two years ago came to my attention while i was in spain at the world championship when uh, four players and then seemingly a fifth player had left the squad. And even though I haven't seen any specific reports on it this time, it seems like something similar has happened in the preparation for this event. So maybe you can give me a bit of, uh, of your insight into that.
0: Yeah. I've been following this team since I follow a lot of, uh, women's sports and I know, uh, they've been in time in France. So, but I started seeing reports that, uh, Two players had disappeared. The president spoke about it and said they've been, you know, they tried to let uh, Cameroonians in France, you know, keep an eye on the team. But it wasn't their fault these two two actually disappeared with their things. It means at least it's not as if somebody kidnapped them. They left on their own. But this is not something new for us in Cameroon. It's not new because, as you said, in 2021, four disappeared with an Iranian at that time, and then another one disappeared after that. It's not. Then in 2018, there were around 10 who disappeared, and it's not. It's not specific to handball. When you look at our boxers. They equally disappeared in 2018, uh, I I think, was it 2012 or somewhere around the London Olympic. Yes. So it's not new. And then for us, we hardly report it because we feel um, it's maybe an opportunity for them to get somewhere where they are valued because... Our conditions here in Cameroon are actually not the best. Not that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not encouraging people to run away. <laughs> they, they can actually find a better way of getting out there, but the conditions here are not very favorable. And then when you look at it from the side of women, you find out that there's equally this still this uh disparity in the pay package. If women go to a competition like this, when they come back, what is given to them? It's it's nothing that can actually take them anywhere. So I, I think it's generally that if Cameroon can ameliorate its condition for sports men and women, they will better stay at home. But once they see that they can have a better opportunity out there, I think they will all go. But I know that for the women's national team, why you don't, the the football team, why you don't see them uh, a lot uh, go away is because football is still valued here in Cameroon, even though the pay packet is still different from what the men get. But if a player comes back and can buy a car and build a house from a competition like... um, the World Cup in Canada in 2015. At least you won't see them leaving the country that much. But with handball, it's a different case, and it's very bad because when you see the 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 kind of you know uh, stipends they are given, it's not
1: encouraged. What really stood out for me in in the, looking into this, and you mentioned 2018 as well. I I think that was the Commonwealth Games, right in Gold Coast and um there's always some reports on these these athletes who have disappeared shortly afterwards but then it seems like it's just accepted and uh and people move on with their lives that there isn't much of a search going on for them and that i wonder in the in cameroon particularly on the women's side this kind of reality of of, of players disappearing and uh, and of course looking for a better life for themselves is it a case of then, okay, we, we try not to say too much about it because we don't want to um, to get them in trouble or um, that it's it's almost better for them that if they go under the radar somewhat uh, and disappear?
0: You know, we'll report about this like maybe it has just happened, mm-hmm. but there is no follow-up in seeing really what happened after that. It goes like it's a normal thing. But I also think that the host country where these players disappear, they are able to even track them down better than us, but they don't. I remember that uh, the boxers in, in London, you know, they integrated some clubs. The BBC talked to me, they interviewed me about this, if I knew this player, if I knew this player. They actually integrated some clubs and that was the end of the story. It's like, and at the end of the day, they change nationality. They become British boxers or Spanish boxers. And that's, it's, it's, it's a two-way thing. Yeah. If they disappear and there's no club to host them, either they get into something else or they or they maybe find, their, they may come back home. But when they disappear, they get a host, they get a club, And they continue from there. So it's not as if here we report it, but then there's nothing you can do like hyping it because you cannot go and bring them back. The government is not even keen about, you know, their conditions here. It's something because if you look at somebody who trains every day for less than... I can, I can say maybe $10. You cannot be training for $10 every day. At the end of the day, how will you make your life? And then if you're off training, if there's no competition in view, you're on your own. So that's that's the way it is.
1: It seems like then that within a team, then if a number of players have disappeared, that everyone would understand why this is happening and maybe do their best to uh, accommodate it as well. The teammates within the Let's say in this case the Cameroon uh, women's handball team. The uh, the four players that went uh, two years ago. That even though it leaves the the players that are remaining in a, a trickier situation, but they are they're still um, they would fully understand why they're doing it and would support their teammates who have decided to make this life altering decision.
0: I think they, they they equally understand their teammates. Is that sometimes maybe. For some people, uh, it's not their dream like to go to another country, but for those who really feel like you know, getting out there, changing their situation is something, their teammates will always, even though at that particular time, I think it's difficult to even tell your teammate that you are going to leave. Those who leave are those who have planned this quietly before, And won't tell their teammates, even though if when the teammates hear this, they'll certainly just support them because there's nothing they can do. If they had their way, I'm sure they will equally leave. But if a whole team would go somewhere and leave, it's equally bad for the image of the country.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, do you think that's, do you think there are other things lying behind these decisions as well? I mean, you, you gave us a little bit of an insight into. Into how it is for a handball athlete in Cameroon and it, it doesn't sound particularly appealing in the first place but is, is just trying to make a better life for themselves the, the key reason behind this?
0: I think it's key because even when you look outside the sport generally employment in Cameroon is not easy. To get employment is not easy so jobs are scarce and for, for younger persons, it's difficult in such a situation because when you even look at it, if you decide to start a small job, the pay is not even, I, I can say the the least payment for an ordinary Cameroonian is like $70. Even as a young person, I don't see what somebody will do with $70 a month. Generally, the, the conditions are not good. And that is why you see most of them, if they are not trying to go out by sea, like you hear many die, many are taken back home, or many are in a camp somewhere, it is because the general conditions in the country are not very favorable. There's no employment. And even when you get employed, the payment is not encouraging. So they now find how to move out of the country.
1: Do you see these these things are happening? Uh, might have an impact on uh, on Cameroon having uh, presence at the international stage in a sport like handball in the in the future. There's one side of it, which of course is that they're losing many of their best athletes, uh, who now for a couple of championships in a row have for their reasons left. But of course, that has a an immediate impact on on the ability of the team to perform as as they would hope to. But do you think that there's also a A side to it, where maybe in Cameroon, the authorities would try to clamp down on a national team going abroad, or is that just not a a consideration for them?
0: I don't think that is a consideration, like stopping a team from taking part in a competition. But I think what they normally do is once they get somewhere, they keep their passports. And in that sense, there's no freedom. Again, you're like a prisoner. It's one, it's part of the measures to make sure the team comes back to Cameroon. For me, I would love to see a a better, better conditions for, for, for the athletes, because if you give them social security, I don't think they want to be running away every time. So instead of like stopping them from taking part in a competition, if you say, okay, those who take part in this competition, you have this social security. you have a stipend every month. I don't think somebody will leave the comfort of this home to go and start struggling and you somewhere else mm. so it's it's that sometimes the political will is not there. The government wants these athletes to bring back the the trophies, but they are not doing what they are supposed to do to make sure the athletes are. You know, financially stable.
1: From what we've seen uh, at this championship, the the talent is certainly there in the team to maybe not go and win a world championship, and that that is in a sport like this a a long a long way from from reality. But you know, we're we're seeing not just in Cameroon but uh, throughout the African sides of this championship some very impressive performances. There's, I think, going to be a special occasion in a few days time when we see Cameroon take on Senegal as a main round of a championship like this will be uh, will be quite special also Angola who are a regular contenders at this level yeah it feels like the solution you suggested there in terms of providing a regular social security and a stipend for for these players is the way to go it do you think it's something that realistically could change with a with some positive performances like this, might that get the government to, to wake up a little bit?
0: I think it takes it will take time for the government to wake up. Mm-hmm. But I think that Cameroonian athletes are really determined. They have the talent is there. When it comes to sports in Cameroon, the talent is there. It's just that the facilities are not there. And when we look at how this is the first time Cameroon is coming out of the preliminary stage, which is really great. Maybe the Federation can do something, but at some point, government doesn't have the finances at this level to really encourage these players. And if there was something to, to, to have been done, if you say, okay, when the men go out, they have this amount, let the women too also have this. I think it will encourage these girls because most times it's the women's sport that is taking center stage and when the men are not there, but they don't have that kind of treatment. Notwithstanding, you still find out that mentally they are ready to give in their best. So if Cameroon can even reach the quarterfinals, it's, it's, it's good, you see. But it, it will not significantly you know, push the authorities to, to, to like do something significant. I think I've said it all, these spots in Cameroon, there's talent. On the women's side, they really try their best. But it's left for the authorities to do their best for the for the for the women to to thrive. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. It's really interesting. And uh yeah, hopefully we can help to spread some awareness as well of the need for for continue or more support, not continued, some support for uh, <laughs> Cameroonian women's athletes.
0: You, thank you. <laughs> bye bye.
1: So thanks again to Leocadia Bongben. Really fascinating stuff. And uh, this story, I think, speaks for itself. Cameroon played their opening game of the main round last night. They were comprehensively beaten by Sweden 37 to 13. But the fact that they've reached this stage of the competition is already a huge achievement in itself. And when you hear about the the conditions and the, the reality that this team has to face, uh, the results in the course are almost secondary. But a really nice insight from Leo Kadia-Bongben. Uh, my thanks to her and to Sister Speak again. And thank you for listening as well. And if you enjoyed this morning club and feel like you want a little more content, including these short podcasts every week. And you want to support the Uninformed Handball Hour in the work we're doing. Well, you can do that on Patreon. There's many different levels to get involved in and support the podcast. A bunch more people have joined in the last few days, which is really nice to see as we cover this Women's Handball World Championship in more depth. We'll give them a shout out in the next full podcast. But until then, everyone,